Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Guys, I want to talk about Jacob's struggle tonight, his struggle, because I believe in Scripture there might not be another person who who better shows us, who better details, who can better illustrate the struggle of what we all feel sometimes, the struggle between who I want to be and who I feel like I really am. Uh, Because I think there's a lot of us, we struggle with feeling a certain way, but we, we know that there's something better that God wants for us. And I picked Jacob because Jacob's complicated. He's very complicated, just like you. <laughs> and just like me, and just like your spouse and your kids. And don't you know your mother-in-law? <laughs> he was complicated. He was complicated. But see, God can work with complicated people. In fact, I want you to elbow the person sitting next to you, look them in the eye and tell them you are complicated. <laughs> in fact, if you live with that person, you already know they're complicated. And the encouragement tonight is that God works with complicated people. In fact, if I was just going to try to decide to pick a person who was complicated in Scripture and and talk to you about someone who was complicated, I mean, I could have picked a lot of people. God used a lot of very complicated people to, to, to do amazing work for him. I mean, there was Noah. Noah saved all of humanity at one point, and yet the Bible says that he got drunk and did some really weird stuff. I mean, I don't know if you read the story, but like really weird. Uh, stuff I don't want to talk about. You got to find out on your own. But Noah, he was complicated. There was Abraham. I mean, he was the father of nations, yet the Bible shows us as well that he was also a liar. Moses, the deliverer of God's people, he, he was a murderer as well. <laughs> How is it that you can be a murderer and you can also be someone who delivers God's people? It's complicated, Right? I mean, we look at David, and David was a man, the Bible describes being like a man after God's very own heart, a man after God's heart, but yet he was adulterous to the point to where he wanted this woman so bad, he decided to send her husband to the front lines of battle to fight for him, where he knew he this man would die fighting for him on the front lines of battle. So he was a murderer and adulterer, and yet God said, this is a man after my own heart. It's complicated. It's really complicated. And then we got Peter. He preached on the day of Pentecost. He stood up in a room and spoke about how Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and be our help, our our advocate, you know, our intercessor. He, he, He stood with such great boldness, and yet we see there was also times in Peter's life where he cowered. And in fact, when It was time for Jesus to be crucified with you as being taken away. It was was Peter who denied Jesus. See, it's complicated. And I want you to know if you feel like your life is complicated, uh, you're in good company. 
You're in a room full of complicated people. In fact, I don't, you should never go to a church that tells you that you got to have your life perfect and in line before God will use you. You got to understand God works with complicated people. And Jacob, he, he was complicated and he struggled. And I, I, I want to talk about him because he had this struggle of, uh, of a me first mentality. He had the struggle of uh, always wanting to fight and get his way. And, and, and yet he knew there was something else. So he was always looking to be blessed. He, he, he struggled. Like, have you ever felt like, I, I, I know that God has something better for me, but I don't know how to get there. So, so you just find yourself fighting and struggling. And sometimes that struggle can get like deep within on the inside. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell them the struggle is real. Struggle is real. I learned that from my daughter. She tells me that all the time. The struggle is real. We see in this passage, Genesis 32, when we first, in, in, when, we, when we read about Jacob here, we see that he was wrestling against God. And it was interesting that he didn't even know it was God that he was wrestling, but he was just wrestling. He was struggling. He was fighting because he was someone through his entire life, he was fighting to get ahead. And in fact, when we're first introduced to Jacob in Genesis chapter 25, we see that um, the first introduction we have to him, he is struggling in the womb. Like, I think a lot of us could look back at a point in our life and say, this is where I started struggling. This happened to me and then I started fighting or that happened to me. But, but we first encounter Jacob in a conflict that's taking place inside a woman's body. In fact, I wanna go ahead and look at it here. I wanna ask you to pray for me and pray for my lungs right now as I'm, as I'm speaking. I'm feeling a cough coming on and I'm, I don't accept it because I believe God is wanting to do something amazing in this place right now. The Bible says this, it says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless and the Lord answered his prayer. Be careful what you pray for because he, he just might go and answer that prayer. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Look at this. Verse 22 says, the babies jostled each other within her. So they're praying for a baby. And, and the Bible says that God gave her twins. There's two babies. And, and there's, the, there's a struggle within there. So imagine you're praying to get a child. And, and then you go and find out that, that you're pregnant. And you go in for an ultrasound. And they put the jelly on your belly. And they, they get you ready to see what's going on. And all of a sudden, the, the nurse there, the technician is kind of looking and going, this is really weird. Um, they're actually, they're not even born yet. But your siblings, are, are, they're already going at each other. This is a sibling rivalry like I've never seen before. They're fighting each other in the womb. I mean, that's crazy, right? They haven't even had time to introduce themselves to each other and they're fighting each other within the womb. So the Bible says the baby was jostled within her and she said something that every moment, every mother has said at some point in her life. She said this, why is this happening to me? So she goes from, God, I need a baby. Would you please give me a baby to why, Lord, is this happening to me? I think that'd be a great Mother's Day message title, don't you think? Why is this happening to me? She said, why is this happening to me? So she went and inquired of the Lord, which is the very best thing you can do anytime there's a struggle within. Anytime there's a conflict going on in the inside, you've got you to ask God, why, why is it that I'm struggling? Because I think a lot of times 
when we struggle on the inside, we run to everyone else we can. And we ask, we ask our friends and our coworkers and our, our parents and our aunts and uncles, like, why do I feel this way? What's going on? And, and yet she decides, you know what? I'm going to go to the Lord and ask the Lord why, because he's the only one that would know why I'm going through why I'm going through. So I'm going to go to him first. She inquired of the Lord, why is this going on? And guys, I believe and I wonder. I believe that God has started to plant some dreams in people in this room. And all of a sudden there's a conflict. And on the inside, you're feeling a jostling. You're feeling like, like why is this happening to me? I, I, wanted, I wanted something great and now I feel like there's a struggle within it. And I wonder if every time that God begins to birth something in your womb, that, that there's not a struggle that comes with it. That every time there's a dream that God begins to birth in you, there's a, there's a conflict that comes with it. Every time there's a hope, every time there's a passion, every time there's a new season in your life, that there's not a conflict that comes with it. And she, she's coming before the Lord just going, God, why is this happening to me? And I want to skip forward to where the babies are born because we see in verse 25, it says, the first to come out was red, who was to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, like many of the men in this room, right? So they named him Esau. It's a good name. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Jacob. So when we first are introduced to Jacob, he's fighting in the room. And then when he first is born, he's holding on to, to Esau's heel. He, he comes into the world struggling to try to get ahead. And the Bible says they name him Jacob. And, and his name actually translates to being heel grabber, supplanter. He's a crook. He's a con man. Can you believe having one moment when you're first born giving you a name that gives you an identity that you have to carry with you for the rest of your life. Like, this isn't a positive name. It's not a good thing. But they said, look at this. This little boy's trying to get ahead of his brother. He's like a, he's like a con man. He's a crook. He's, he's struggling to get ahead. Let's name him Jacob, the con man, the crook. He's got to live with that. So here's my sons. I got Esau. He, he's the hairy one, the red one, you know, and then this one over here, this is the crook. He, you got to watch out for him. He's slippery. He's going to try, he's going to try to pull something on you. He's going to try to get ahead. And we see that, that immediately when we come onto the scene, looking at Jacob's life, we see that he's struggling to get ahead. He has a me first mentality and instinctively, Something in this child knew he wanted to get ahead, ahead of his brother. And I think you have to know something about the culture to understand this. And in the culture in this day and age, the firstborn received a lot of blessings that the other children didn't get. There, there was more money for the firstborn, more, more inheritance, more land. There was so much more for the firstborn. And I wonder if just instinctively he was born with this desire to get ahead. Me first. I want to have it my way. Not you first, me first. Not God first, me first. See, this makes me think about the original sin. And for any people who say, you don't believe in the original sin, you don't believe that man is born into a sin nature, selfish, wanting to put yourself first, all that tells me is that you don't have kids yet. That's all it says. If you don't believe in the devil, all that tells me is your kids aren't in middle school yet. That's all that, that's all that tells me. 
But yeah, this me first mentality. I got to get ahead. And he he was struggling. Somehow, if I can just come out first, if I can get myself ahead of everyone else, that's going to be how I get blessed. And he carries this with him throughout his entire life. Finally, to a point in his life where he encounters God, where we saw here in Genesis chapter 32, and he doesn't even know it's God. And, and, And when he first ends up encountering God, the first thing he does is he gets in a fight with them. He starts wrestling them. He starts fighting them. I want my way. I want, I want to have my, it's going to be my way or no way at all. That's the type of attitude he brings into his encounter with God. And we see here that, that it happens when Jacob was left alone, all alone. And then God shows up. He shows up on the scene. So really, if you think about this, this is a beautiful picture of grace. Because we have a man who all of his life, he was grabbing at things, trying to get ahead, trying to get his own way. And now all of a sudden, God himself has come and grabbed a hold of Jacob. And he's holding on to Jacob and he's trying to show him, I've got a better plan for you. I want to help you. I want to give you direction for your life. I want to show you who you really are. And in this struggle here, all of a sudden we see Jacob didn't even acknowledge the fact that it was God. It's just, there's someone here. I'm going to fight him. And he begins wrestling with him. Now hear me now. He didn't know that this was God, but his struggle to get ahead ended up causing him to fight with God. And there are people in this room that you've come to recognize this over this last couple days. There's some of you even in this room right now that are still coming to recognize this, that you didn't think you were fighting God, but you're coming to realize this. Your eyes are opening that your struggle to get ahead and your struggle to be first has actually put you in a wrestling match where you've been fighting God. So Jacob's there and they wrestled. The Bible says they, they wrestled through the night. That there was a period of time where there's the struggle where he's, he's pushing back against God. He, he's pulling, he's fighting, he's doing whatever he can to, to, to win this battle against God. And what this looks like for me and you is when we say, you know, there's certain areas of my life, I'm going to do it my way. I don't want to pray for my wife. You know, I, I don't want to give up that habit. I don't want to give up that sin. It's like, I, I'm willing to do other things that you tell me to do, but I'm not going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull over here. And he's fighting, he's fighting with God and he's pushing against him. And, and I wonder if there's not some of us in this room that God is trying to tell you about your destiny. He's trying to speak into you your purpose. He's trying to give you your plan, his plan for your life. And I wonder, are we pushing him back? I wonder if the God who loves us is he's holding on to us and, and trying to draw us closer to him and saying, just follow me, just come with me. If there's any of us in this room that are just pushing him back, going, nah, I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do it my way. Like, that, that might be uncomfortable to go that way. And, and really, it doesn't sound good to serve someone else. I'd rather just, you know, live my life for myself. I mean, after all, that's what our culture teaches us. I mean, I'm supposed to get the biggest house and the fastest car and the best job. I'm supposed to climb the ladder. I'm supposed to be on top. So if this is going to get in the way of me getting on top, then, then I'm going to fight against it. And the Bible says that they wrestled. So Jacob was left alone and the man wrestled with him until daybreak. Until daybreak. See, there's something you need to understand about God. God never runs out of time. He's never growing old. He's not getting tired. But what he, God recognizes that 
Jacob's time was coming to an end. The day was breaking. He was running out of time. See, you and I can run out of time. And God loved Jacob enough, and he loves you and I enough to say, you know what, I've got to do something to bring this struggle to an end. I've got to do something to bring this war, this, this wrestling match to an end, because what Jacob didn't know is going forward in pride and going forward trying to serve himself, he was headed towards destruction. He could have ended up in a fight with his brother that, that would have killed him, but, but God was stopping him. God was changing him. And God, God wanted to bring him to a place of humility, and he wanted to stop the struggle. So he's saying, listen, I, I can't let you go on any further. I've got to do something to bring this struggle to a surrender. So the Bible says that he reached down and touched Jacob's hip and put his hip out of place. He injured him. He hurt him. I mean, this is where we've been looking in the scriptures and we've been seeing in Hosea chapter 6. It says he's injured us, but he will heal our wounds. You know, I think there's a lot of us that we wonder, will God actually injure me? Will he hurt me? Because we know in the Old Testament there was the wrath of God. We understand that, but doesn't God handle us differently now that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? Doesn't he... He treat us a little bit differently now. I mean, now because of grace, I mean, what does that look like? Well, I've heard many pastors and I've heard theologians talk about the principle of the passive wrath of God. That in the New Testament, God deals with us differently. And instead of sending plagues among us and, and all sorts of things to turn us back to him, that way the Bible tells us in Romans chapter one. In Romans chapter one, the Bible says that he would let us go to our own desires that he would leave us be to go to the things that we desire more than him and in doing so we go off and we make decisions that hurt ourselves enough to where we go i don't want to do it my way anymore it hurts way too much to do it my way i want to come back i want to do it your way god i'm sick of being me first because me first has made me lose one thing after another me first just keeps ending with heartbreak me first keeps ending with relationship failures and lost jobs. I don't want to do it my way anymore. So, so we see that God loves us enough to where he will let us be a little bit hurt sometimes to stop us from destruction. This is where as a parent, we go, you shouldn't touch that stove. It's hot. It's going to burn you. And then our kids come into the room like, don't touch that stove. It's hot. And they're like, okay. And then they start reaching for it because they're curious and we'll smack their hand. They go, ow, why did you do that? And every one of us as a parent knows we don't want them to be truly hurt. So sometimes there's injuries that are allowed that, that, that are a grace to get us to stop down the path towards destruction that we're headed on. And there's some of us in this room that we feel injured. And we've been mad at God because we're like, God, why did you let this happen? Why would you let this marriage fail? Why would you let me be hurt like this? God, if you really cared about me, why in the world would you discipline me this way? And we see that there was this grace that God had for Jacob where he's wrestling with him. He's seeing that the daybreak's coming, that his time's running out. I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to stop him. And God t- reaches down and touches the wrestler's hip and puts it out of place. And now the wrestler, Jacob, the man who was struggling, the man who was fighting says, oh, now I'm hurt. I can't do this anymore. I can't fight you anymore. I can't, I can't try this on my own anymore. I didn't realize that, 
that, that I was wrestling the only one who had the strength to hold me up. And now the Bible says he started clinging to God. And he's holding on to him now. And he's going, God, I didn't realize. I, I need you to help me. I need you to bless me. It's like I can't stand up on my own anymore. I, I can't do my marriage on my own anymore. I, I, I can't do life on my own anymore. It's like I wanted to do it my own way. And it, all it does is end up hurting me. So God, would you help me? God, would you... Would you heal me? I'm not going to let go of you. And now the, the fighter made a switch. And this is the switch I pray that every one of us in this room, that you don't leave here without this switch happening. And only by the Holy Spirit can this switch happen. But he switched from wrestling with God to clinging to God. He's saying, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm going to take the same tenacity I had against you. And I'm going to use it to hold on to you and go, Jesus, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. I'm not going to let go of you until you heal my marriage. I'm not going to let go of you until you heal my kids. Bring my kids back to you, God. I'm not going to let go. And it's that clinging. It's that clinging that, that we need to come back to. And there's people in this room, you've been fighting God. You've been fighting God. You've been fighting the only one that can hold you up. You've been fighting the only one who can really tell you who you are. We see that the very next thing that God does is he asks Jacob a question. And let me tell you something about when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. When God asks the question, Jacob, he said, what's your name? And, and God didn't, need to know his name he already knew his name he knew everything about him he created him so he's asking this question because he wants he wants Jacob to think for a minute he's trying to get the man to take a step back from the situation and use his mind for a minute and engage his thoughts and go, okay what is he actually asking me he's asking who are you like after all you've been through after all the struggle after all that you've had to fight through who are you what is your name I wonder if you ever really asked that question. Who am I? Not who am I married to? Not what do I do? Because a lot of us men, let's be honest, like when I ask you, who are you? What do you do? What do you do is always the second question. Like somehow our identity is tied up with our work or something like that. Not, not who are you married to? Not, not what are your kids? Not where do you live? Who are you? There's a lot of 80-year-old people who have never asked this question. Who am I? God asks him the question, who are you? You fight with me through the night? You're, you're trying to do it your own way? Like, like, you're struggling against the only one that can hold you up. Who are you? And the man's answer is pitiful. He goes, well, I'm Jacob. I guess I am what they've called me. All I've ever known is what they said I am. I, I'm a crook. I, I I struggle to get ahead. I'm a heel grabber. I'm a supplanter. I I, I fight with people. That, I mean that that's who I am, right? I've never thought I've never thought that I could be anything. I'm I'm Jacob. And see tonight, I believe that God wants to restore who you really are. And there's some of you you've never asked the question, "Who am I, God? Who am I?" It is the question that every one of us have to ask. We have to know you can't live up to the fullness of, of what God wants you to be if you don't know who, who God made you to be. 
hear me on this church. The enemy is going to try to tell you everything in a different direction of who you really are. And some of you in this room, if I were to ask you the question, what we would begin with is, well, here is the list of my failures and here's the list of my experiences. I've, I've, I've done this, I've had this failure, I've had this divorce. This happened to me when I was 13 years old. I don't want really anyone to know about this. And that happened and I do have a this degree and I have that. And it's like we go through our list of what we've done and, and, and that's what the world does. That's what the enemy does. He says, well, well, you are your past. You are what you've done. You are your failures. And, and God, after asking the question, he already knows what this man's given name was. He asked him the question, I find it interesting. They, they've been fighting all night long and there hasn't even been an introduction yet. <laughs> you know, kind of weird in this story, but now they're introducing each other and, and now he says, well, I'm Jacob, and, and God has something to say about it. And he's very clear. He, he wants them to know something. He says, you're not who they say you are. You have been called Jacob, but now you will be called Israel. Do you know what Israel means? Israel means prince. It means heir to the throne. Strong strength. This is this is a child of God. This is this is someone who who has power. So here he's going. Okay, you you have always thought and you functioned out of an area of your life where you thought you had to be a crook. You thought you had to struggle. You thought you had to fight to get ahead. If you wanted to be successful in life, somehow you were going to have to end up fighting and struggling until you can get in the first position. But he's saying, no, you're a prince. And princes come after kings. Church, I got to tell you something about what that means to you and I. Is I believe tonight the Holy Spirit wants to restore in every one of us the fact that you are not who they said you are, but you are a prince. You are not who they said you are, but you are a princess. And you realize when you finally accept that, when it's finally revealed to you that you are a child of God, that, that everything changes with how you function in this world and everything changes with how you function with God. Because the Bible says in, in John 1.10 that because we believe in him, we've been given the right to be called children of God. Since we believe in Jesus Christ, we are the children of God. So let me tell you something about my kids. I'll start off with my neighbors. Okay, My neighbors don't have the right to ask me for anything. If my neighbor's kids come over to my house and they say, hey, can I have that? Would you, would you, would you let me drive your Jeep? I'd be like, get off my lawn, kid. You, what are you talking about? If my neighbor's kids want something from me, they have to go to work, right? They're gonna work for what they get from me. But my kids, it's a different story. See, everything I have is theirs. It's theirs already. I'm holding it for him. Because when she's ready, she says, Dad, can I have the Jeep? I'll throw her the keys. You know, when, when she's ready, she's going to get inheritance. When they're ready, they're going to get everything I have for them. See, it's, it's all already theirs. I'm just waiting for the right time to give it to them. Now, see, 
Again, if my neighbors come over and they want something from me, they got to work for it. That's how religion works. You don't belong to me, so therefore you have to work to get what you want. And religion says you got to strive harder. You got to do more. You can't see miracles in your life until you get good enough. You can't see healing in your life until you do things right. See, religion says you got to you got to work for what God has. But no, grace came on the picture. And when grace came into the picture, when grace showed up, Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you believe in me, then you're children of God. And this already belongs to you. This already belongs to you. You see, God wants to introduce you to who you really are. There's a you that you haven't met yet that God wants to bring you face to face with. He wants to show you that as his child, you're, you're stronger. You're more resilient. You're blessed. Your princes, your princesses, that, that you can be restored. You can be brought back to a place where you have the very things that you've prayed for. God began depositing into our church over these last three days some gifts. He's deposited into our church uh, audacious faith, the audacious faith to ask things of God and go, God, I want it. I'm your kid. I want it. It takes knowing that you're God's kid before you can come before him and say, God, would you heal me? It takes knowing that you're his kid before you'd say, God, would you give me more money? God, would you bless me? God, would you, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? But then there's another gift that he deposited into our church. Remember, he, de- he deposited into us holy boldness. Holy boldness, because it takes boldness to receive what God has already given you. You know, because if you're not a child of God and you're driving around in one of the king's cars, it's going to be awkward and people are going to look at you and you're going to be like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable here. But if you're one of the princes, one of the princesses, they go, this is mine. I possess it because I know who I belong to. So tonight there's a switch taking place. There's a switch where we we move from going, I'm going to wrestle with him and I'm going to fight with him. And I'm going to, I'm going to still like, I'll give him 99% of my life, but there's still this one area that I'm going to pull against. I'm going to fight against. We move from wrestling with our great God to clinging to him. And when we cling to him and he begins to tell us and show us that we are his children and that we are loved and that we're favored and that we're, we're more than conquerors and we're not the tail, we're the head. When he starts to show us who we really are, then we come before him and we say, God, would you show me some miracles? Would you do some works in my life? Would you change me? Would you start, would you start to show our church and our community how great you are? And when we come before him, with that type of passion, knowing he's not some far off God, some distant place, but he's my father in this same room with me who loves me. Then I stand restored. I stand with a whole new stature. In church, I believe that tonight, if you would ask your heavenly father, you didn't earn it. You, you, you didn't do good enough. It wasn't a religion thing that got you close to him. It was by his grace through Jesus Christ. When you ask your heavenly father, God, would you do some amazing things in my life? I think you have the right to come before him. I know you have the right to come before him and ask him for things that are crazy. It takes audacious faith. 
God, could we see miracles in this room tonight? God, could we see healings in this room tonight? God, could you bring areas of my life that were dead back to life tonight? God, could you restore my identity tonight? Could you bring hope back? Could you bring peace back, God? So this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And while you're standing there, I'm going to invite Pastor Jail to come up. Because one of the audacious things that we can ask for is something that Jesus already promised us. Jesus promised us when he goes, when I go away, I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and be your comforter, your teacher, your guide. And, and I think there's a lot of us in here that we've been afraid to ask because we've had a religious mindset, not knowing that we are the children of God. We've been going, well, I can't have those benefits because like maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I got to clean up this area of my life or something. But standing, knowing that you are accepted and loved by your heavenly father, Jesus is saying, just ask, just ask, just ask. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.